Hey there, I'm Amanda Marcotte and this is How to Be a Badass-ish. The truth is, we're all badasses, we just forget. Because we also forget that we're human and sometimes we fall on our face. Join me in celebrating all life's failures because ultimately, that's the only way we grow. All right, so good morning, everybody. I'm so excited because today I am with Kat Eckroad of the Outdoor Adventure Kind. And I am so excited to chat with her because I met this amazing lady at a, a wonderful event called Spark. And I, I love your story here. And it says, in your 30s, you went from an unhealthy, sedentary lifestyle and almost zero previous athletic experience to outdoor adventure badass who explores all over the Pacific Northwest and inspires others to get after their own epic adventures. Now, you just you just gotta tell us more about that, just as a whole, because I love that you specifically say in your 30s, you went from being a normal American <laughs> to like this awesome outdoor badass, right? Like, so how, first question, more than anything else, like what is the biggest failure that you had in your life to get you to this point? Because something must have sparked, something must have triggered this, like I need to get off my ass. So like what happened? <laughs> you know, there were, there were a lot of little things. So it was kind of a, a uh, just a, a combination of all these little things that were going on in my life with, oh, I was, I was so unhealthy. I couldn't walk up a flight of stairs at work without being completely out of breath. So I was taking the elevator just to go up one floor. I, you know, I, I couldn't walk my dog. I couldn't go out and do things I enjoyed. Nine months out of the year, my allergies were so bad that I just, everything said, stay indoors and sit on your butt. And I didn't want to do that anymore. Yeah, that's fair. That's legit. So now how, what, what did you do? Like, how did you start this? Cause I'm not going to lie in the little questionnaire that you sent to me, you made a comment about how, um, you love to be outside and, um, in the cold and, and different stuff like that. And I, I'm I, like, I was one step above wearing my Christmas onesie today. Uh, the only reason I didn't <laughs> is because I was afraid to get too warm, but I'm like normally so cold. So how, like, what made you decide outdoors was the specific place you wanted to go as opposed to like the conditioning that we have of going to a gym and whatever, like what, where did that come from specifically? Uh, so I'll be honest. I hate going to the gym. Like I, I, in my early twenties had a very, very, very short stint where I tried it mm -hmm. and just nothing about it ever felt right. Like I found a workout buddy. I signed up for classes. I did all those things that are supposed to motivate you and just nothing. I, just, there was no continuous draw to go. Nice. So okay. I, I accidentally got into going outdoors, ironically, by standing in my living room and looking out the window. And I, <laughs> I have, I have this great yard that attracts a lot of really beautiful birds from around the area. Uh -huh. And when I first moved into this house, it's been almost eight years now, I would stand in the living room with my morning cup of coffee, looking out at the cold that I didn't want to be in. And there were all these birds. You have cameras in my house. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
And so I, one day I, there was one specific bird and I, I remember seeing it and thinking this has to be like an escapee from the zoo. There is no way this is something that actually lives here. <laughs> Turns out it's, it's a bird called a, a red shafted northern flicker. They're super common and I see them everywhere now that I know to look for them. But at the time, I'd never noticed this bird before that's all around our area and it really just caught my attention. So I started paying more attention and it just kind of snowballed because I, I've always liked wildlife. Mm -hmm. I wanted to see more. Well, in order to see more, I had to leave my house and it just built up. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) See, and okay. So for anybody that's listening that is not in the Pacific Northwest, specifically the Portland area, like Mm -hmm. I, if you watch Twilight, the reason yeah. that those sparkly fairy tale vampires that are not real vampires, it's a story for another day, it existed in that, <laughs> in that city is because it was so dreary and the sun never shone ever, except for like three months out of the year, right? And I'm like, right. oh, that's Portland. That's totally <laughs> Portland. So I love that you, you looked out into your yard and you saw this amazing animal I'm assuming amidst a day kind of like today where it's really dreary and overcast and you went, okay, I, I have to go find this because this does exist more than just in July, right? Right. Like, so I, I really, I love that. I do love that. So how did that morph from you just deciding that you needed to be outside and getting the fresh air? And I'm saying this fully knowing how good being outside actually is for us, right? Like right. You, it's everything from, from spiritual leaders to badasses like you say, if you get outside, you get the fresh air, right? You put your feet into the ground, like you ground your, your entire energy field and all of that stuff. Like there's so many benefits from just being outside, but then you have people like me that like, is that the other reason I'm not wearing a onesie is because I was afraid it would get too warm. How do you get people like me to come play with you? Because it sounds so much fun. And it's, it, it sounds like one of those that I'm pretty sure everybody would truly enjoy. So how do you, yeah. yeah. Tell me how, how you get people like me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's, it's finding, it's finding the thing that motivates you and it's a little different for everyone. So when I first started out for me, it was that, it was that bird and holy cow, this exists. So let's, let's go see what else is out there and letting my curiosity lead me. Yeah. But for, for some folks that's a waterfall or a particular destination, maybe it's wildflowers in the gorge in the spring and it's starting with those fair weather days sometimes. Uh So you pick that that one day where we do get, you know, sunshine in February and (laughs) the one day, (laughs) one day and you get out. And then once you've got that, then you can build on it. And so, yeah, maybe it's dreary or cold or dark because it's still dark until almost eight o'clock in the morning right now. Right. (laughs) It's hard. It's really hard this time of year, Mm -hmm. but you can build on that and, and you find those moments and remind yourself that those moments don't happen unless you get out again. Yeah. And it, and finding the thing that motivates you is the way I get you out there and, and encourage you and remind you, you know, we, we saw that really awesome thing. We had that really cool experience. We can get the extra cup of coffee to get there early in the morning yeah. and, and repeat it. And it gets better every time you go. Gotcha. 
That's awesome. So, and one of the things that you said is that you're training for your first ultra marathon later mm-hmm. this year. Now, so you went from being a couch potato standard American, right? To now right. you're doing this, this is your entire business and getting people to play outdoors and find adventure outdoors and not and actually like appreciate what the outdoors can do regardless of the season all the way to doing an ultra marathon. And like when I, when I was in high school and college, I was a professional dancer. I was a cheerleader. So I'm definitely not, um, unfamiliar with athleticism, but I'm not going to lie. Like the ultra marathon that right there makes you like an <laughs> ultimate badass in my eyes because I'm going, wait, you're willing to run. like. <laughs> Right. How did you decide to do something as awesome as that? You know, it all started with sibling rivalry. Um. (laughs) (laughs) The only true motivator. Right. It can be be powerful. So several years ago, um, right about the time I started getting outdoors, uh, my, my younger brother, one of two younger brothers, challenged me to do a 10K race. And I'd never done any at that point. I was just starting to decide that I needed to to be able to, you know, climb stairs, let alone run. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so uh, it just kind of built from there. Like we, we trained for almost a year to do this 10 K with, with one another. And by the end, we're like, I think we could do a marathon. Let's keep doing this. (laughs) So, and the whole motivation has just been, well, it was, you know, initially beat my brother. And he knows that I've told him so. <laughs> just, just beat him. That's all I want to beat do. him. And uh, we got to the point where we did get to that marathon distance. And uh, unfortunately, he wasn't able to do the, the marathon distance, but I did. And when I got to the end of the marathon, I, I never hit the wall that, that you hear runners talk about where they just, they can't keep going. And it's so hard to fight through when they're done at the end. I got to the end of the marathon. And I was like, well, I could keep going. Are you serious? Oh my God. Like <laughs> I, I could barely run a mile in high school. Like I pretended I was throwing up. So like, I'm super impressed right now. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. So all I can think about is that, is that scene that, um, oh God, what's that blonde guy that's in everything. And he was Doogie Howser. Oh, Neil Patrick Harris. Neil Patrick Harris. I could just totally see him like morphing in your face going challenge (laughs) accepted, right? Pretty much. (laughs) And and then not only did you meet this challenge, but you're like, no, this is actually, I could could totally keep doing this. So, (laughs) okay. So continue your story because you, you were running and that was the 10K, right? That was, yeah. So we did the 10K. And uh, there were there were some challenges along the way building up distance because it's a big jump from 10k, which is uh, 6.2 miles, to a half marathon. So you're doubling the distance at, at 13.1, which is the, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Um, for those listening, not looking, she just made a great face at me. It totally explains all of it. <laughs> yeah, it was a horrified like, oh my god, oh my god. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's pretty much yeah. Yeah, so it's it's some big jumps, and uh, partway through training, I ended up uh, fracturing my left foot um, <sighs> when we when I was working up to doing my my first half marathon. Uh, so I mean, it's it's had challenges, and I've had training runs that have left me laying on my kitchen floor, gasping for air at the end, and just like having my my fiance being like, "Are you sure you want to keep doing this?" <laughs> 
And I'm like, no, no, I'll be fine. I just, you know, give me some water and a towel. I'll be good. Just give me oxygen and water. <laughs> oh my God. Pretty much. Oh man. And, and I'm not fast by any means. Like the whole point of, of the, the running is not to beat anyone but myself. Like I'm, it's just constant competition with, let's see what that next step is going to look like for me. And so the ultra marathon that I'm looking at just to, um, share a little bit about that. So a full marathon is 26.2 miles mm -hmm. and ultra marathon is defined as anything that's longer than a traditional marathon. The one I'm looking at is 50 K. So it's about 31 miles. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so it's, it, it sounds like a lot, but really, if you've already gone 26 miles, yeah, what's well, another five or six, you know, <laughs> That's at true. that point, you're, That's you're, true. you're just so in the, if you can keep, keep the rhythm, this is my theory with it. And this has worked with me up to this distance. If I can keep the rhythm, if I can just really keep a steady cadence, I can keep going. And I know I can do some insane miles for myself with my short legs on a, on a really long hike where I'm carrying a lot of weight. Well, mm -hmm. if I can do that, if I can go all day long with a 40 plus pound pack on my back, mm -hmm. then I can definitely go all day long with just carrying a little, you know, some water and maybe a couple of snacks with me. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all, for me, it's about the endurance. <clears throat> and I love that you said that it's a competition with yourself because I think a lot of people and me included, right? You mm -hmm. immediately hear marathon or ultra marathon or the 10 K or whatever. And the first thing that goes into your brain is, oh, it's a race. Mm -hmm. So if I don't, if I don't come into X amount of place, then I feel like I've failed. And for you, you're like, well, maybe I failed, quote unquote, by definition of what the definition of a race is. But to you, it's like, no, I'm fucking awesome because I just ran 26 miles, right? Like, and you, and you did the whole thing. Like, that's the point right. is you were able to actually complete the entire thing. And that's got to feel pretty goddamn good. When it does. I, you know, it, when I, when I first started running, it didn't feel good at all. I hated it. A uh, big part of the reason that I started, like I said, it was the sibling rivalry. My brother said, let's do this. And I couldn't let him beat me. I just love that so much. And i also was at that point, I had just started hiking intentionally, like actually mm -hmm. going out and, and picking routes that took me into the back country. And I wanted to be in better shape to be able to do that. So running for me was a means to an end. Mm -hmm. It was never meant to be a thing in and of itself. Mm -hmm. And I never would have thought if you'd told me 10 years ago that I would be where I am now, I would have laughed so hard and called you a liar. <laughs> well, and, and I love that you said that too, because that's the other challenge that I think people have is, and I'm, I'm victim to this thought process as well is, okay, this is my end goal. And as humans, we're totally convinced that that is the end goal, the ultimate end goal. And the universe comes in and like roundhouse kicks us to the face and goes, <laughs> actually, that was just sort of like your toll bridge to get to where you're going, right? right? Like, I, I mean, all, so I, I love that you said that it's, it's morphed so much and now you find so much joy in it and that you challenge yourself and I'm reading through the questionnaire while, while we're chatting. And my favorite part right now is it says, what are your favorite things to do on the weekends? 
um, you head to the local brewery with your fiance, whether it is good weather or bad weather. Like, so you're also not doing what so many people think they have to do when they start to be healthy and start to be outdoors. Then all of a sudden they only have to eat kale and kombucha, right? Like that's right. Like, <laughs> that's it. You're like, no, I totally, I'm a true Portlandia man. I, I go oh, yeah. here, right? Like, so I, I love that because you're showing that that you can do and it doesn't have mm-hmm. to be or it's right. it's not and and i'm assuming from the way that we're talking and the way that you're chatting about it that it is not about um looking like you know cindy crawford or i guess i, I how how old am i younger people like it's you're not trying to look like a supermodel or it's it's for literally no other purpose mm-hmm. than to help your body feel good and that's yeah it's absolutely it it's it's mind body spirit really it's yeah. i i feel good on all levels when i'm spending more time outdoors yeah and and you're right i <laughs> running is often rewarded with a cheeseburger and a beer i mean it's nice. it's a means to an end for me it's i do enjoy kombucha and kale don't get me wrong but those are not all that i have in my diet and i i love that by being more active it's actually made it so that i don't even feel that socially trained guilt when yeah. I do have a piece of chocolate cake or, um, you know, in all transparency, I had a pint of chocolate ice cream last night. The <gasps> whole thing. Nice. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, and I don't feel bad for that because I also ran six miles the day before that. Yeah. And so it's like, I, I pre-burned those calories and I'm going to burn them off later Yeah. and I'm never going to, I'm, I don't have that body type for a model. That's never my, been my goal. Weight loss was never my goal, even though I was fairly significantly overweight when I started getting outside. Mm-hmm. The weight loss was never the goal. It was just about feeling good. And I didn't. Yeah. So, you know, I like having a beer. I love that we're in Portland and we do have so many options. And, oh my um, God. So many options. I, I kind of don't want to talk about this because I don't want everybody to start coming to Portland about the food because it's true. Like there's mm-hmm. so many, like the food carts, we're going to go off on a tangent for a second because it's almost <laughs> lunchtime, but the food carts alone, if you go to a food cart and they barely speak English, no, you know, you're going to be getting some good grub, man. Yeah, like, absolutely. Oh, okay. So I, I digress, but I, I, I really love that you said it was a, it more than anything else. It was about how you feel and mm-hmm. the misconception that we can't eat real food right? I, I don't, especially for women, I don't mm-hmm. think they truly understand that when they neglect their bodies, they push and push and push and push and push and push. And then they don't go fill it with calories. Their body is actually freaking out thinking mm-hmm. that it's going to die because suddenly yeah. you're starving your body. You just expended what some, something stupid, like 10,000 calories running that much so of course you're going to want a burger because that's the only thing that your body's going to go, okay, cool. There's enough fat, there's enough protein, there's enough, all the things, right? And um, especially if you just put it into context, for most people that can relate, um, I'm so terrible with names. I really am. I'm awful at names. Michael Phelps, he's the Olympic mm-hmm. swimmer, right? Yep. 
Okay, so Michael Phelps and The Rock is another example. Those are both males because we don't have strong females that talk about how, yeah, I totally ate a triple cheeseburger because I just went and expended 10,000 calories, right? But um, if you, for anybody that's listening, you can actually Google a Michael Phelps meal or a rock meal, and they're eating something insane like 15,000 calories in a sitting, and it's because of exactly what you're saying. You're using so much energy, and you're expending so much energy. So you're kind of doing double duty here. You're talking about how not only did you lose weight, because yeah, that might have been a, a really um, the initial draw, right? Mm -hmm. You just want to lose weight, but then you started feeling so healthy and it, and you stopped feeling guilty about needing to replenish your body and just listening and going, no, I really want a fucking cheeseburger. Like I forget about the salad right now. I want sustenance. Right. And mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that you don't also eat good things. It's just that you're actually listening to your body and you refuse to have guilt when you want a treat, whether it's a beer or chocolate cake, right? Like, so I, I love that. I really, I really do. And, and I got it. I got to say, <clears throat> I appreciate that you're a kind of geek like I am about playing video games and shows Game of Thrones. We could have an entire whole conversation. Um, sorry, Mike. My computer just wigged out for a second. Okay. <clears throat> um, we could have an entire conversation about Game of Thrones just in itself, right? Um, Absolutely. That's, that's an amazing thing. But um, I find it kind of hilarious and really awesome that two of your favorite games are Diablo 3 and Skyrim. I play Skyrim all the time. And <laughs> the reason I find it hilarious is because you're basically mimicking Skyrim when you're going on your adventures, right? Like you're outside and you're finding all these things and you're going up into the mountains and like into valleys and like finding all these different, different areas to, to explore. So just because I'm a super geek when it comes to, to video games and, and all of that fun stuff, Explain how your business actually works. So somebody signs up for one of your adventures. Like, do you just say, okay, pack your stuff. We're disappearing. And like, may the odds be ever in your favor. Or do you like prep them or like, how, how does the whole process work? If somebody says, okay, I definitely need help. I need help getting off my ass. I need help getting outside. This sounds like a lot of fun. You know what you're doing. You're doing all of this stuff. You're not doing it because you're trying to, force your body into some sort of physical constraint that is unattainable for most human beings, which by the way, even models don't look like that at all. No. <clears throat> I actually, in another life, I did uh, pageants and funny story, I was almost Miss Montana. And I say almost because at the time I was a professional dancer. I was a cheerleader. I was like Michael Phelps. I was like you, right? I was working out six hours a day and expending so much energy. And at the time, the conditioning of you have to look a certain way was mm -hmm. still so prominent. Have you ever seen the movie Miss Congeniality where all I of have. the girls, okay, where all the girls <laughs> come in and they're all eating vegetables and like the kale salads, right? And they're working so hard. And Sandra Bullock walks in with a fucking pizza and she's like, come on, you know, you want it. Like that was mm -hmm. me. It was, that was who I was. 
and I actually quit two weeks before the preliminaries. And for anybody that doesn't know that's listening, I was born with one arm. And as a cheerleader, I was also a gymnast, right? I was tumbling and doing all the stuff. And uh, my coach said to me, I can't believe that you are you are quitting like what you're a one-handed gymnast like you're going to win this competition like what are you doing and i just looked at him deadpan and said i'm hungry and it was that simple because behind the scenes this conditioning is i i believe what is actually making us unhealthy in the first place right like mm -hmm. what because i was like you i was so overweight and it had nothing to do necessarily with wanting to be a supermodel it was just i become so unhealthy and thinking back to when i was really healthy i didn't feel like i was because yeah. i would walk into the to the um the backstage of these miss america type of pageants and like the modeling and all of that their boobs are duct taped like they've got the chicken cutlets to push them up to make them look like they're bigger boobs and like they put saran wrap around their waist to lose all this water weight they spray uh hairspray on their underwear so it doesn't ride up like i mean there is there is they've they've got things underneath their hair to make it look more voluminous there there is literally nothing real about those women at all at all so circling all the way back to what you're doing it's it's amazing because you're you're truly showing people you can be healthy and you can love who you are and what you're doing with without torturing yourself. So again, how how do they get out to you? Like how do they say okay, I'm I'm done doing this. I don't want to be stuck in a gym looking at all of these 20 two-year-old girls that have no idea what's ahead of them if they can take the way that they're going, right? Um, how, like, how, explain how an adventure works with you, like, the whole journey. All right, so there, there's a couple things I want to touch on. Uh, one, and, and you just did with the 22-year-olds the in the gym piece, you know, there's a reason in the little introduction that I provided you that I pointed out I didn't start until I was in my 30s. Yeah, that's that's because so many people that I talked to when I started going through my own journey kept saying to me how impressive it was. You know, I wish I could do that. I wish I could get out there like you are. And I just constantly was turning around to people and going, but you you can do that. Like, do you still have legs? Do you have right. access to a door? Like, do right. You <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. You You absolutely can. But we have these invisible hurdles we put up in, in our own minds mm -hmm. that keep us from even trying sometimes. It's true. So that's one of my big motivators is helping people get past those invisible hurdles. So you might be at the very beginning of your journey where you're not even getting out the door, or you might be maybe on the trail. Maybe you've gotten out a little bit and mm -hmm. you just feel lost because there's so much you're quote unquote supposed to know or have to know in order to really be out there. Mm -hmm. And then there's the other invisible hurdles I run into a lot for folks are fear-based, whether it's their own personal fears or fears of people who love and care for them mm -hmm. or their well-being when they're outside. Well, what if you run into a scary person? What if you trip and fall? What if you oh, yeah. see a wild animal? <clears throat> so we, yeah. we, have, we have doubt, we have uncertainty, we have fears, 
And then maybe a lack of community, which was honestly one of one of my big hurdles early on was I didn't have anybody who did this kind of stuff to go with. Yeah. Oh yeah. So um, if you're somewhere in that beginning phase of the journey and you, you either you're not out yet or you're getting out a little bit, but you need some help, support, direction, that's, that's really where I want to, to work with you and help you and support you to get out there. So there's a couple ways I do that. One of, one of the things that I can do is if, you're, if you haven't started at all, I do run workshops where you can come and we, we talk about it because I think education is so important before you ever get out there. Yeah. So we can talk about what you need to pack, how you need to dress, what you might encounter, just some of the real basics so you can feel secure in getting out. Mm -hmm. And then I lead some hikes that are all skill level friendly because I think it's important to bring together folks who are at different points mm -hmm. so we can share and grow with one another. That's amazing. Yeah. So, so those are, the, those are the two kind of really basic, you know, journey kickoff points that someone can join me on. And then I'll work one-on-one -on -one or in small groups with folks to move them through that journey so we can get more specific because it is different for each of us. We're all, our body is different. Our goals are different. Mm -hmm. So we can talk about, you know, what do you need to pack in order to have the best adventure for you? Mm -hmm. What, you know, let's talk about some of the different things that you can use for gear. Some of the different ways you can layer up on those cold February days versus those warm July days that you're getting out more often. <laughs> yeah. And then all the different areas to explore. We are in such a great spot in the Northwest where we've got beaches, mountains, deserts, all within just a few hour drive of the Portland area. Yeah. And so many different options for whatever motivates you to get out there, whether it's physical challenges or just something beautiful to go and see or a combination. That's awesome. And I, I want to make a note too about how you said that our mindset has changed where that's that fear base of, oh my God, you're going to get mugged. You're going to get mauled by a bear. You're going to get swallowed by a shark, like whatever. I don't know. You know, so, <laughs> and, and the funny thing is, is it wasn't even what, like 60 years ago, people still walked everywhere. Mm -hmm. And this, this weird shift in conditioning that has happened that it it's true because I'm, I mean, I'm looking outside my window right now and there's, there's like this great woodsy park area, right? So I could put on a coat and just go outside. And it's strange to think that something so natural, like that is our first major milestone as a baby. Everybody freaks out when the baby can walk simultaneously like oh my god you're walking and oh shit you're walking right like right. <laughs> you're gonna take off um and for any of you that don't have kids like they start walking and suddenly you have that realization that children are like spiders like you don't understand how fast they can be because <laughs> they're so tiny and they're so excited that they can walk and they're mobile that they do they run everywhere <laughs> right um and somewhere I think, I think it's because especially in this day and age and like digital nomads and computers are so necessary that you just sort of become sedentary and forget how much you like to play outdoors as you were a kid and the sports that you did in high school, even if you weren't good at sports, most people would go outside for something, right? Whether right. it's camping or um, LARPing or, you know, I mean, like... <laughs> whatever, playing, playing jump rope, I, all of these things. 
And so I love that you, you walk them through that whole thing. Like you unprogram that fear of just being outside right? and just being physically in nature. And it's mm-hmm. so odd to think that we do have that fear of nature when it's, it's so healing on so many different levels, right? Not just from the physical aspect, but from the spiritual aspect. And I can remember um, when my husband and I lived in Idaho, we were surrounded by woods. And one of my mm-hmm. husband's favorite things to do was go, what he used to say, getting lost, right? He would go drive and get lost in the woods and then go hike for a little bit and just be out there for hours and hours and just decompress and disconnect. And it's, I can only imagine that even though you're with other people, how profound that experience is with your adventures. Cause you're going out where I'm assuming there's no cell service because often, yeah, like get out into nature, actually detach from the electrical buzz and the addiction that we all have to our phones mm-hmm. and computers and TV and even, even Skyrim, right? Like, right. But, <laughs> cause it's addictive. But, um, so now is it just for women that you do this? Like, is there a specific group of people that you do this for, or do you kind of like offer it to everybody after the age of five and running to, you know, like how how do you, (laughs) what is your niche that you kind of focus on? So I do focus a lot on, on women who are in much the same space that I was Mm -hmm. because it's, and it's so relatable for me, for me to see that. And I like to, I like to provide that you can do this encouragement to people that I see in that space that I was. Yeah. But I don't just work with women. I really strongly think that diversity is so important in in all aspects of our lives really, but mm-hmm. in the outdoors because that's where my focus is. I really think diversity is important. And I know there are a lot of groups who don't feel comfortable or safe in the outdoors for various reasons. Mm-hmm. So anyone who I can support in getting into the outdoors more, I want to support you in being there. Gotcha. So uh men, women, trans, like green, black, white, red, yellow. Yep. If I have a purple alien show up that wants to go hiking, I will help them. Gear might be challenging, but we'll try. Well, I mean, they came here for a purpose, so you might as well experience the awesomeness of nature before we kill our planet. So exactly. (laughs) Maybe they can help us out. Right. (laughs) Oh my gosh. See, I love that. I love that so much um, because you really are trying so much to help so many people. And, and again, it seems to be so easy and yet it's so complicated mentally for us. Mm -hmm. Right. So what are some of the questions that you get from people when they first message you or what would, what would be some of the concerns that you could address to people saying, okay, I want to do this, but right. Like help me me debunk the butts. (laughs) So safety is probably the one I hear the most. And I hear it from, from men and women, but mostly from women. Mm -hmm. It's safety and it's safety from other people followed by safety from wild animals. Well, and the safety from other people, to be fair, 
women as a whole, just our mere existence, mm -hmm. like there's so much potential for us to be unsafe. So that's legitimate. Right? It is. It's, it's legitimate. Um, it's legitimate. We're conditioned to be afraid. Yes, that's true. And it's reinforced by people who we have our own fear that we're conditioned for, but then it's reinforced by people who are conditioned to be afraid for us. Mm, yeah. So it's, a, it's kind of a double whammy. And that comes with both fear of people and fear of environment. Uh, there's, a, there's a couple things that I, that I remind people of. One is that bear spray is absolutely a, a worthwhile investment if you're going to be in the outdoors and it works on any living creature. Mm -hmm. So it works for bears and people equally well. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I remind people, and it's, I'm very analytical. I love numbers and facts. And so this one kind of kills me that I don't have numbers to back it up, but there are not nearly the levels of violence or crimes in the backcountry as compared to spending time in the city. You are more at risk going shopping than going hiking mm -hmm. from other human beings. Mm -hmm. There are not statistics to really solidly back that up because a lot of crime doesn't get reported if it happens in the, in the back country. Mm -hmm. And it's reported to different agencies. So it's not collected in the same way that say police reports in Portland are. Yeah. So it's, it's not something I can statistically say you're a thousand times safer on the trail. Yeah. But I literally have spent, I don't want to add up the hours, time researching it and digging in. And it started so that I could debunk that fear for other people in my own life before this ever was a dream of being something I do yeah. as a business. And I really wanted to be able to tell the people who were concerned about me, look, I'm fine. And here's, here's the information to back that up. And I, I would never mislead someone to say that crime doesn't happen. They're, the scary stories do exist, but they are so few and far between. Yeah. That it's, it's not something, once you really start to look at it, that should keep you from enjoying the outdoors and there are safety precautions you can take. And I'm more than happy to, to dig deep with anyone who wants to go into those. But there, there are things you can do to keep yourself safe and prepare for that if that's what you need to do to feel comfortable. Yeah. But don't let it be a hurdle for you. Like that's, it's, I spend a lot of time on this topic with people. I love that. So now, did you grow up in the Portland area? Yeah. So ironically, the, the house I live in now is like a quarter mile from the house I lived in when I was born. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but in between all those years, uh, I, I did live in Portland for a lot of them, but I also lived in Vancouver which is mm -hmm. just north of Portland on the Washington side of the Columbia River for those who aren't as familiar with the area. And then I graduated high school and did a lot of my grade school out in Washougal, which is just a little bit east on the Washington side, right at the entrance to the Columbia River Gorge. Gotcha. So okay. Lived a little bit out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So you had a little bit of a taste of the wilderness, right? And mm -hmm. um I find it really funny and just from the personal standpoint and humorous, because like I said, my husband's from Idaho, backwoods, Idaho, right? And I'm from a very minuscule, tiny, tiny, tiny town, dead nuts in the Rocky Mountains, right? Like, so 
I joke all the time with people. They're like, oh, the mountains of Portland. And I'm like, no, I, I love you. <laughs> but I'm talking like mountains, right? Um, right? Where you would drive a mile out of town. And not only do you not have cell service, but you are, you are straight up in a forest and mm -hmm. on a mountain where if you take a wrong turn, you're going to fall off a mile high cliff, right? So that's where I grew up. And I can confirm a lot how, how safe the woods actually are. You're more likely to fall and hurt yourself on a twig than you are to actually a encounter other humans and b like b get some sort of i don't know what's what's the guy that see i told you i'm terrible with names what's the what's the big guy that zach efron just did a whole like serial killer movie on oh my gosh see, i know this i know it's gonna <laughs> drive us crazy and everybody's listening gonna be like shouting it out and it's gonna come pretty to much 2 a.m so um, you can put it in the notes. Um. <laughs> I just put it in the notes. <laughs> so it's it's totally true. Growing up, my husband and I grew up in the full on wilderness, and that is that is accurate. You like honestly, how many times do you actually encounter other humans, like at all? Let alone people that your instincts. Because when you're in nature, that's the other thing people forget. When you're surrounded by people all the time, and science has proven this, this is no longer woo, this is science, your energy field reads the other person's energy field, which is why when you're in the city and when you're in a group of people, you feel like you have to shrink up because it's almost like your energy field is trying to protect it, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're on high alert without realizing that you're on high alert all the time. And when you go out into nature, because you disconnect from everything, your energy field expands, you relax more, and funny enough, your instincts become much more acute. Mm -hmm. And so you can sense if there's an animal a mile away, and you can sense if there's a human that's coming up the trail. Like, before you even hear them or see them, you just know, right? Mm -hmm. So with that knowledge, and that reassurance to people that live in the heart of a major city, um, how do you get them to, to feel comfortable and go, okay, seriously, like you're going to be okay. It's, it's kind of like going on an airplane. You have people who are terrified of airplanes and there's like one out of every hundred thousand car crashes is an airplane crash. And, and here's the funny part is when we're in cities, when we're surrounded by people and all that danger is much more acute, like driving on the highway, we will mm -hmm. pass epic, like five car pileups and see ambulances and fire trucks and whatever. And yet nobody thinks twice about getting in their car and driving all over the place. Yep. Nobody ever thinks twice about walking down the street at two o'clock in the morning after you've been drinking and partying with your friends in the heart of the city. And yet they're so afraid to go out into the woods. So yep. like, how, how, what, what all do you say to them? What, how do you calm them down to say, you're going to be good? Well, it varies a little bit depending on the person. You know, there's, there's, you know, the people who want their facts and their stats, and I can share a little bit of that. Then there's the people who are just, they get that safety and numbers feeling. So mm -hmm. reminding them, you know, you're far less likely to have any kind of a problem if you're in a group. So let's create a little community. 
So you have someone to go with and that will alleviate, uh, alleviate a lot of concerns. Mm-hmm. Um, there's gear that you can carry to help you be more prepared. So we can talk about the gear that'll make you feel better. So it's just a little bit customized for every person and, and what their real worries are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, part of it too is going into the planning, having your, having your plan in place means you're already prepared for any of those worst case scenarios. And, True. and so you already know how you're going to handle it. And that on its own will alleviate a lot of concerns as well. Yeah. And especially when they're working with you, you're not just like, okay, here's the plan. Now go. Like, right. Free. You're actually going with them, with all of your experience, with the gear, with the understanding. Like, and do you, for anybody that is listening in the Portland area that wants to participate in something like this, have you, because this is now your business, have you taken those um, like standard health classes like CPR and mm-hmm. first aid and all of those? So if, if on the total off chance, cause I'm, I'm also assuming you're not taking them so far in the backwoods like Daniel Boone, right? Like <laughs> trying to find your way and hack through um, foliage and like cut down trees to like clear a path. Like you're actually going on a path that has been done before. They can see where they're going. They can right. see where they've been. They're not getting lost in the woods. They're just not following a paved road, right? Right. Um, so if, if the one in a million chance something does happen, not only do you provide this community for them to feel safe where they can talk if the silence of nature freaks them out as well, because I'm sure that's a thing too. That is a thing. And so they have people to talk to. They have a support group that says, no, you can do this. You can keep going. Like you prep them to bring snacks and water and layers. Layers are a big, 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 big thing. <laughs> and, and if, if all hell breaks loose, you can help them. Absolutely. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm so for, for anybody who wants to get out, I'm registered with the state of Oregon as a guide. I've taken wilderness first aid certification courses. I've t- got my CPR cert. I've got hands-on practical experience with the troubleshooting. Some of the random things you'll run into, like a boulder in your path and how to work around it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's the combination of training and practical experience hands-on. And, and honestly, I think some of the best ways to learn are to get the hands-on experience. So yeah. come out and we'll tackle some well-known, well-marked trails, no cutting down trees or bushwhacking. And don't, don't worry about like making your own fur coats or whatever, right? Like right. <laughs> we're not gonna we're not gonna go build our own shelter and survive. This is not survivor. This yeah. is not naked and afraid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So I I I love and those are true. Like I'm, I'm laughing, but it's because I grew up in Montana. So I, I grew up surrounded by what you help people experience. So I had to go away from Montana to truly appreciate how amazing it is to get into nature and, Mm. um, true story. I genuinely hated camping when I was in high school, I remember my boyfriend, when I was a senior in high school, decided he was going to take me camping. And because of where I grew up, everybody, 
everybody had the trucks not like the oh well i've got four wheels and a flatbed no 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 they had like the trucks right like uh-huh. the <laughs> big epic like extended four by four cabs and the whole thing and um because there's so little to do in montana in my hometown everybody went camping and um, my mom grew up in a city, which is why we didn't go camping because she found it the whole bugs and getting dirty and the whole thing. She found it appalling and it just sort of rubbed off onto me. And I remember <laughs> going, I don't understand why we're cooking everything over a fire and like, why, where's the TV, right? Like I was so, I couldn't understand it. And now as an adult, I, I'm like starting to collect my own camping gear to go out because the thing that, that we haven't touched on that I think people need to know, especially with what you're offering them, it's like taking a mini vacation. Oh, absolutely. It's it's, the amount of just exhaling that you do, like you feel your muscles start to relax and knowing that you have your phone to take pictures and I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but I can only assume that after probably an hour or two, people forget they even have a phone with them right? Like they just, they're able to breathe and they're able to release and they're able to just like actually get oxygen and just, (sighs) right? Mm -hmm. So what you're offering to people is not just getting their ass off the couch and actually, you know, like getting activity. You're not just offering them a guide to go outdoors and explore a forest or a waterfall or a lake or an ocean or whatever that they've never experienced before. You're literally giving them a vacation. And one of the great things with it, so you, you've touched on this a couple of times. It's, it's not just the physical, it's, it's that mental and emotional release as well. It yeah. really gives you opportunity to disconnect. Um, you mentioned earlier about, you know, your instincts really, they kick in so much more and it's, it's scientifically proven. Your, your vision opens up, your hearing opens up, your sense of smell and your experience just becomes so much fuller, Mm -hmm. even after just 15 minutes in a green space. I'm not even talking like get out into like backwoods, middle of nowhere, just 15 minutes in a green space will start to have this impact on you physiologically. And the more you can have that disconnect, I I use my phone for pictures all the time. So I'm, I'm not going to be a hypocrite and say, Oh, I never have my phone because it's it's (laughs) always in my pocket when I'm out because it's such a convenient little camera. Mm -hmm. That's really all I'm using it for within the first few minutes. I will send a message when I get parked to check in back home, like, Hey, Uh parked, getting out on the trail. And maybe if I, just in case type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I use a, I use a GPS tracker. So that, um, my, I have two contacts at home. They can follow me as I'm out on my adventures and, and check in. And I also have a whole plan for checking in. So that's a safety, safety thing, but I've I've got a routine really quick. Like that's another thing that people need to understand is you're not just prepared for the emergencies. You're prepared in case like the, uh, a rain does wash out the path and you have to go and you're on some place that you've never been. Like it's actually easy for people to find you if you're like, okay, Mm -hmm. dude, we're, we are, we're fucking lost. Like, all right. So I'm going to make a phone call or whatever. You, you actually have a contingency plan so that they won't all of a sudden turn into an episode of Survivor and have to figure out right. how to <laughs> right? Like, I have, 
Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely, especially, I'm actually far more diligent about it when people are with me than when I'm by myself. But, oh, you know, I've got, I've got, I, you know, it's, I'll be honest about it. I've, yeah. I've, you know, I'm far more thorough on my planning if you're with me uh -huh. than just for myself, because I want to be sure I can give you that peace of mind. And so you're going to know, like, here's, here's what we're planning to do. Uh -huh. Here's how long we're planning to be out. I will have a way to communicate back home in case of emergency or to get emergency services if we need them. If it's a particularly long trip or particularly far out, I'll plan uh, backup routes so that if, you know, if the trail does wash out, we have another way out and we already know it in advance. That's awesome. And That's really awesome. I, I just think it's so important. And those are the, the kinds of things too, like I, I plan it for when you go with me, but I also want to teach you to plan it for yourself. Mm -hmm. and you're trying really hard to empower people if that's absolutely the point and I think that one of my biggest drivers I don't think I know one of my biggest drivers for for choosing this path for myself and helping others get out is that sense of empowerment I went through such a drastic 180 and we talked a little bit about the physical and how much healthier I am physically yeah I am mentally and emotionally so much healthier than I was when I started this and I've, I've always been fond of like creative problem solving and, and fixing issues, but this gave me a different angle to practice those things because when you're out on your own in the middle of nowhere and you do run across a challenge or you're with a small group and you come across this challenge that you've got to work through, whether it's a small creek or a river crossing, mm -hmm. a tree that's down blocking your path, a washed out trail, you've got to figure it out. You've got to get through it. Mm -hmm. And it builds your, it builds your problem solving. It builds your creative thinking. It builds your confidence and it builds your sense of empowerment. And it doesn't just last that moment. It builds up over time and mm -hmm. comes back home with you. So I think that one of the most important aspects of spending time in nature, you get the physical, that's kind of like the upfront. Everybody thinks about it. You get the physical benefits, but then you start to build on these empowering fulfilling things as well that carry into how you feel about yourself, how you look at yourself and your capability and other aspects of your life. Mm -hmm. It's so much more. And that's really what I want for people is that whole picture of it. That's awesome. And that's circling back to what you were talking about um, with the spiritual side and like the energetic side and just, just this simple act of going into a green space. And like I said mm -hmm. in the very beginning, just planting your bare feet into grass, you just feel grounded. And, and I love that you say it's scientifically proven because when people talk about this and talk about the spiritual experience, they have one of two thoughts. They either think it's fringe science, like woo, right? Like mm -hmm. witchy stuff, which I'm totally into witchy stuff, but this is actually <laughs> scientifically proven. Or the other side of it is they think it's religious. It has nothing to do with religion, it is literally, you are, you are healing your soul and mm -hmm. you are healing your mental state while you think you're only healing your body. Yeah. It really does all work together. And it, I just, this is so fascinating and this is so amazing. And I love that you do this in a city because again, you have homegrown hicks like me and my husband that that we understand this because we grew up around it but when you have people 
who are especially in cities that are so afraid of something that that a hundred years ago they would have lived in right uh, right just basic nature I love that you walk them through every step and you help calm their fears and you tell them like, this is the contingency plan. If things go wrong, this is what happens, but here's the benefits. This is what you can look forward to. And here's how you prep. And like, so do you, for anybody that doesn't live in Portland, do you have any tips if they go, okay, this is amazing. I need to get my ass out into just, just a, a park, right? It doesn't even have to be a mountain like I grew up in. It doesn't have to be anything extravagant. It could be a, a national park or it could be um, those little park reserves. I know every mm-hmm. area in this country, well, for the time being, has a small like um, reserve that is bigger than a standard park with, with playgrounds, but smaller than a forest. So mm-hmm. if they have one like that next to them and they just want to go out and explore, do you have any tips or thoughts or tricks, or do you even have maybe a digital workbook or something that people can download from your website so that you can help them even if they're not local? Yeah. So I, I have a book in the works. So hopefully um, maybe even by the time folks are listening to this, cause it's pretty close to done. Woo. Yes. I'll have a digital book out that, that nice. will help with some of those basic tips. And really just breaking down like the basic things that, that you need to, co- to cover. If you're going to start exploring, like I really think it's important. I happen to love reading and learning and digging in, you know, I dive in both feet with things. So yeah. I've already put in all of these hours and read all these books and blogs and websites. And, and so I try to condense it down into just five basic steps to help people get started. Nice. And so that, that'll be out, um, either is now or soon, depending on when folks are listening to this. (laughs) Um, but you know, really it's about just having a purpose for getting out there, you know, having a little motivation, a place you want to go, um, knowing what to pack Mm -hmm. and, um, having your route prepared, like doing a little bit of homework beforehand Mm -hmm. and then making it personal to you. And that, that does tie in a little bit with that purpose, but you know, for some folks, the adventure, the reason to get out there is I want to go for a walk and I want that disconnect. For some mm-hmm. folks, it's photography and they want to get, take their camera. Uh, maybe it's watercolors and they're going to take a small uh, watercolor notebook and a small palette with a few paints so they can paint. But finding that thing that makes it your adventure is going to make it so much more fulfilling. And I think that's an important element as well. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I love that it's it's not going back to the marathon and what you do. Like it is not about other people. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. It does not matter what other people are saying or what their reasons is. It's it's for you. Everything is for your health, your well being, your mental state, your spiritual state. Like all of that is is needs to be one thousand percent the driving force as to why you're doing this. Not to prove mm-hmm. anything to anyone other than yourself, right? Absolutely. You can do this and you can feel better and you don't have to spend $45 a month to get a 24-hour fitness gym membership, right? Absolutely. And be trapped in yet another brick building, like. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Kat, I am so excited about this podcast. I'm so excited about this episode. Um, 
and it's Cat Eck Road with the outdoor adventure kind. And is that your your website is going to be in the show notes, and you've got a book coming out or possibly released when this <laughs> episode goes live, which is super exciting. So that will definitely be linked in the show notes. And is there anything else that you want to tell people about? Like I I. I will have all of the links, your Instagram, Facebook, like all of the places where people can find you and access all of your stuff. Because I think what you're doing is so powerful and so amazing to help people see another way to heal themselves, right? Without, and here's the best part. This is the thing that I'm going to talk about full circle with like the, the comparative itis and the 22 year olds that are pushing, thinking they need to look a certain way. And then as 30 plus women, we're over going, well, I've had babies, so I'm never gonna look like that again. Like, right? So, <laughs> so if you get out into nature, the major bonus is you're not staring at somebody that has does not have the life experience as you, does not have the same body shape as you, the body type as you, the same health conditions, the same issues, all of that stuff. So you're not watching somebody and comparing yourself and feeling like you are failing, right? Right. Because you don't and never will look like that person. It, so the benefits that you're doing are so much more exponential than just let's go play outside, right? Like right. it's, it's fun, but there's so much more to it. So is there, is there anything else that you want to let the listeners know about or any adventures that you have coming up that are going to be planned in the next couple of weeks or like, something that you have maybe going on for summertime for all those Portland people that suddenly come out of the woodwork because the fucking sun is shining again, finally, right? The sun comes out for five minutes, yeah. Oh my God, (laughs) I'm counting down the days. Yes, anyway. Yes, so I I do, because I think community is so important, connecting with other folks who want to get outdoors. So I do provide a couple of opportunities a month. One of those, um, and they change a little bit, each month as far as the location for hikes. Mm -hmm. Um, But I try to plan something within one to two hours of Portland drive time. Sometimes it's actually in Portland because we do have some great green spaces right within city limits. Yeah. Um, But definitely check in and, and I put it everywhere when, when I finalize the location. So Instagram, Facebook, website, but if you're looking for a group to get out with, join me on one of the hikes. I do at least one free one just for opportunity for community to come together every month. Mm-hmm. I also do a um, monthly event once a month that's topic-based. It's usually in the evening um, called Oak Nights. Um, right now it's on Wednesdays, but in the summer I might be trying a different day of the week just because I've had some folks that Wednesday doesn't work out. So check mm-hmm. in on the website for, for specific dates. Okay. Those are another opportunity for getting together with like-minded people, maybe getting some inspiration on adventure types you haven't thought to try yet. And we pick a different topic every month. So for, uh, for January, we talked about itinerary planning. February is first aid kit basics. And in March, we're going to be doing uh, trail food. So that'll be a lot of fun. That's awesome. And so it's just have like a a general idea to prep themselves if they really don't want to go outside in the cold and they need exactly right? You can still, you can still build up that inspiration and be ready for the nice weather. Right. Like the sun (laughs) is shining. I got my, I got my trail mix and I got my fanny pack and I got my band-aids and like, let's go. (laughs) Exactly. 
Nice. I love it. Okay. Well, Kat, thank you so, so much for being on this episode with me. And again, guys, it's Kat Eckrode with the Outdoor Adventure Kind and the links for all of her Instagram and, and Facebook and website and all of those things will definitely be in the show notes. And Kat, you are such a badass. And I, I thank you so very much for being on this. Well, thank you so much for having me, Amanda. It's been so fun to talk about this. <laughs> I love it. All right. You have a wonderful day and I'll talk with you soon. Okay. All right. You too. Thank you guys so very much for joining me today and for listening. If you loved this episode or hated it, I would love to hear your feedback. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at how to be a badass ish. And I look forward to talking with you guys again soon. Have a wonderful day.